All right. Welcome, church. We're glad you guys are here today. Woohoo! That's right. It's good, man. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Well, we're excited today. We've got a special guest, uh, Michael McElveen, is going to be joining us in uh, just a few minutes, and he's going to be sharing his uh, his story. And uh, but I want to do a, a shout out to a couple of people online that. Uh, Men are just a great encouragers. And so uh, to Doug and Shannon uh, Knuckles out in Washington State, we have a family that watches from out there, and they're great encouragers. And then there was another family there in Ohio that's been watching us. Their mom passed away yesterday. So if you guys would just pray for that family. Uh, some of our family here is headed up that way. And, uh, but just knowing that we have people from all over the world that watch these services, and uh, we have an opportunity to encourage them and, and bless them. So shout out to those guys, and just uh, uh, we're praying for them, we're thinking about them. But we're excited today about what's going to happen, and uh, Mike has got an incredible testimony. He's a great friend. So this whole uh, life is better together. We just met this year, and it just, it's just one of those relationships where you feel like, you know what, I feel like I've known him forever. And so it's been awesome. So if you guys would give him a big welcome, and a welcome to Micah. And then check out this video. choking on something, and I gagged too. There were tubes in my nose, in my throat, sensors beeping all around me. I had no idea where I was, and I couldn't move anything on my body. But my eyes worked, and I could see my father in the corner of the room, bags under his eyes, hadn't shaved. You could tell he'd been under duress. The first words out of my mouth, how did I do in the game? After a long pause, my father spoke through tired eyes. Son, you didn't play. You broke your neck. That's when I realized I had died. That's when I realized my dreams were shattered. But that's how I came alive to my deep need for purpose. Well, my name is Micah McKelvin, and I have the privilege of serving alongside over 600 team members who are advancing the gospel and serving the poorest of the poor on planet Earth, in part because missional partners like you. I want you to know, Journey Church, your giving is going. You coming together, doing life together, and doing missions together is making a difference around the world. And it's truly a privilege for me on behalf of both my family and the entity I get to serve with, Vapor Ministries. It's truly a privilege to be here with you all this morning. Now, as I came in and as I even got to sit in on some of the worship, 
uh, I could really sense there are at least a few people that are excited to be here this morning. There was some energy coming out from some of y'all. I heard some amens and praise the Lord. If you're glad to be in the house this morning, we just turn to your neighbor and just say, it's good to see you in church today. Now, I don't know what it's like in Washington or in Ohio. I can't see you on the other side of that screen. But in the house, most of y'all had two neighbors. And for some reason, you chose one neighbor over the other. So now you got to turn to your second choice, and you got to say, they let anybody in this house. <laughs> so it is, it is my first time being with you all, and it is a privilege, as I said. And, and with that, though, uh, naturally, I don't know many of you. Uh, and though that is true, I still know that we have at least two things in common. And the first thing that I know we have in common is we share a love for your pastor. Hey, y'all, I travel all over the U.S. and have spent a good amount of time in Africa and other places, and I just want you to know you've got something rare. Uh, your pastor is more on fire for the Lord. I didn't know him years ago, but I know when we met earlier this year, I thought, man, I'm not saying you're old, Pastor. I'm just saying he's got a little more gray hair. And I thought, I thought he is not winding down. He's wound up. He is ready to make a difference. Your pastor loves Jesus. He loves this community. He loves you. And you all as a faith family are led by a pastor who is dedicated to making a difference with the life he has. One more time, will you honor your pastor? Thank you, Pastor, for you, your bride, your service to Jesus. And y'all be good to him now. Take it easy on him, okay? Y'all gonna, your best days are yet ahead. Uh, life together, a faith family led by missional pastors. So I, I, I believed we shared that in common, and I'm glad we did because that would have been really bad if we didn't, right? <laughs> but that's not the only thing we share in common. You and I both share a deep desire to make a difference. We were actually wired by God to walk a purpose-filled path. Heaven created you to walk on purpose and spend life, spend your vapor making a difference. But there's a problem. A wide road sits in front of each of us. And it begs us, it invites us every day to waste our lives on things that will not matter when our life is done. And the truth of the matter is, most people walk into the grave void of purpose. But my bet is you're different. Right? You wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be in the house this morning if you didn't want to live a life that matters. And so I'm here this morning to spur you on. I'm here this morning to encourage you. I'm here this morning to fan that flame. And I want to do so with coming in on this last part of the series, this series where you've been talking about doing life, living a life together, making a difference together. And I have two truths in a talk that we'll simply call dying for purpose. And so if you're a note taker, Now's the time to take your pen and pad out. I'd want to add value to you. I want to spur you on. I want to encourage you. And so the first truth, the first principle that I want to share with you this morning is a principle that honestly, at first, it's going to smack wrong. And, and maybe I'll say it this way. At first, you're going to say, how dare a guest 
He doesn't know us. How, how could he come out hitting hard like that? But the first truth is nonetheless the truth. It's the truth that we have to start with. And so the first truth, mark it down, is simply this. Death precedes purpose. My plan for my life, your plan for your life, it produces death. In the Proverbs, he says it this way. He says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. In the New Testament, uh, Jesus, his teaching style, he used illustrations, and he did so to help truths from heaven land on earth. And he had gathered his disciples together. He was in part communicating the very principle, the very truth that I'm sharing with you this morning. And we find him pulling from the farm. They lived in an agricultural society. And he gets his disciples together. And in John, we find him saying this. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, a seed, if it doesn't die, it withers, it fades, and it ends its existence. It remains alone. A seed, to fulfill its purpose, to walk into its design for it to be all it was intended to be, for it to live beyond itself, it has to do something counterintuitive. It has to die. Now, I don't know how many farmers there are here in the audience, but I think we, we all get the general principles of farming, right? Farmer pokes a hole in the ground. A little more sophisticated than that, but farmer pokes a hole in the ground, takes the seed, drops it in. The seed is covered by earth. A dying process ensues. And if it does, it germinates, and then from it, life can spring forth. So what's his point? His point is simply that to live beyond itself, the seed must die to self. And so it is with a man, so it is with a woman, so it is with humankind. A life dedicated to self ends with self. And yet culture says, do you. And I was all about me. My gain. My glory. Looking back, if you were to have asked me, hey Micah, what are the goals for your life? I could have summed them up in two words. Assets and accolades right? Assets. I wanted the, the dough, the American dream, right? I wanted that padded bank account. But accolades, I wanted the fame, right? I, want, I wanted the recognition to go with it. And for me, ball was my ticket. Love me some ball. How many of y'all are athletes in the house this morning? Actually, wait a minute. All right. How many of y'all are former athletes in the house this morning? How, how many of y'all love playing that ball? Man, I I love some ball. My father, he was an athletic director, head football coach, head basketball coach, head baseball coach. I was around my pops all the time playing ball. I played quarterback in free safety, pitched and played shortstop, played point guard. Did I mention I love some ball? And in our house, man, we slept with the pigskin. 
I mean, we were, that, we, were the, we were on the sidelines. You could smell the grass on us on Monday. And what happened for me in time was a passion for something that is ultimately temporal, but a passion for a game became idolatry. And it's easy in our lives for what we do to define who we are and to find ourselves wasting or investing our entire lives in things that will not show up. And so my father, he could see uh, that, that idolatry had set in, and he came up to me after a practice, and he said, son, I believe you have the talent to play at the next level. But he said, life is about a game. Life isn't about a game. He said, God has made you on purpose for his purpose. And success is selling out to God's plan for your life. Now, good advice, but it offended me. It crystallized an internal tension. I would not have said it this way, but I wanted Jesus to be Savior and me be Lord. And this wrestling match ensued in Thursday night before a big football game. I finally got out of my bed at 2 a.m. and I said, God, this is my life. And this is what I want to do with my life. Leave me alone. Not too long after that, we went down to do something we loved. Uh, we had lived out on the left coast, uh, Southern California, picked up surfing there. Well, we had moved out to the Gulf side of Mexico. And how many of y'all know that there's a big pond out there? Right, the Gulf of Mexico. How many? There's a placid lake, right? You can't ride waves out there until the hurricanes kick up surf. And so my brother and I, we went down to catch some waves and there was huge beach break and always competitive. We were racing and I was running down that water. I could see the waves coming. I was running down that water as fast as I could and I saw this big breaker. It reformed at the last minute. I threw my body into it and I hit that wave like I had a hundred times before. Only this time, something happened. It was like a shock just raced through my body. Instinctively, I knew to lay still but the momentum of the dive kind of carried me through the water. I was face down, groggy. Something was off. And the next wave, it rolled me over. I could see the surface. I could see the air. But when I tried to get up, my body wouldn't work. Panic began to course through my veins. My lungs began to scream for breath. In a last-ditch effort, I put my lips together. But instead of air, I caught water. And I passed out. My brother had seen me dive in, didn't think anything was wrong, went and got the football, and he's waiting to play catch. And after a few moments, he actually looks out, doesn't see me, and so he walks out to the very place where I dove in, looks, and nothing. He thinks I'm playing a joke, so he goes back to look in the bushes, and every minute that passes, I'm drowning. My parents, they dropped us off, they parked the car, they made their way down, and they enter this frantic scene, and then a mother's worst nightmare. My mother, she hit the beach and began to scream at the top of her lungs, God, 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 don't take my son. Five to seven minutes had passed. A stranger was 150 yards down the beach, and he was lifting an arm in a slack pool of water. My father ran down the beach, pulled my lifeless body out of the surf, began to do what he knew of CPR. My brother got my mom up and ran to the nearest house, 911. Y'all know the stories. EMTs, defibrillator, eventually a helicopter. I don't remember much of the first week, but I remember choking on something, and I gagged too. 
tubes in my nose, in my throat. That's when I realized I had died. That's when I realized my dreams were shattered. But that's how I came alive to my deep need for purpose. You see, the truth of the matter is, is my lust for my life, my way, it needed to die. But God knew that long before I did. And he had spoke to his disciples a message that I'm sharing with you today when he said clearly in Matthew, if you try to hang on to your life, your will, your plan, your way, me, 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 you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You see, the question for every person who claims Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Lord, is a question we must continually ask. And it's simply, God, what in my life needs to die? And I submit to you this morning that before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who spoke and galaxies were formed, the one who says the earth itself is but the footstool, the King of kings and Lord of glories who gave his Son for you and I, I submit to you that the only posture that makes sense before this King Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life on your earth as it is in heaven. And the truth of the matter is for each of us that the process has to start with the death because we must die to ourselves to come alive to the very reason that he has us here. And so I encourage you with this simple takeaway at this point, let's Life's author, write your script. When we begin to die to ourselves and we begin to rise to his plan, that's when the abundant life enters. That's when true living enters. That's when it gets, get, gets good. And it leads us to our second truth, our second takeaway this morning. Because yes, Death precedes purpose. But also, what is true is what follows death, and purpose produces life. Purpose gives us a right to maintain breath. Purpose gets us up in the morning. Purpose is the thing he designed you for. Purpose is while you're still here. Purpose is what God wired into your bones. You were designed, you were created, you were intended, and purpose is what produces life. Purpose produces life. You know, when we look back at John 12, we can actually see that this is where Jesus was going with all the dying. He actually says, if we look closely, yes, the seed must die, right? That has to happen. But where is it all leading? Where is all this dying going? Where are we headed with it? Look what he says. He said, but its death will what? Produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of what? Life, new lives. The dying leads to true living. Purpose produces life. 
You see, we exchange our plan, which leads to death, for his purpose, which produces life. The question, do you believe that his purpose is better than your plan? Healthy Spouse Club. How many of y'all are in the Healthy Spouse Club? Now, no nudging, no poking, no pointing. But just raise your hand if you're married to a a Healthy Spouse, Healthy Spouse Club. All right, a bunch of y'all don't want to be honest this morning, right? (laughs) Well, me too, me too. I got to tell you all the truth. I entered marriage on like a steady diet of Mountain Dew Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Can I get a witness, anybody? My bride, on the other hand, I think she like came out of the garden, right? Like she came in eating pine nuts and tree bark. And I mean, and she has not wavered ever, ever since. And so after 10 years of being married... We had our first, and you can imagine uh, what our kids were eating, right? Kale and seaweed. Come on, those kale bites. We love those kale bites for us. I actually got a picture of my crew on the screen. My bride, my best friend, Miss Audrey McKelvin. She was going to be here this morning, but we actually just flew in from West Africa. There was a little bit of jet lag and a little bit of uh, sniffles for our daughter given, and so we decided not to pass on that virus. And so they're doing just fine, but they're at home. And my baby girl, given Gracia, she's four years old. She's our grace gift. Now, my son, Arrow, he did come with me. He travels with me a lot. My family does. Uh, but this was his first, like, just him and daddy trip. And so uh, little Arrow, speaking of Arrow, and you can see him on the screen, he is back in the lobby. Um, you can pull it back there. We won't show this for a little while. You can see my little boy on the screen. So he is actually back in the nursery. And while he is our peace Arrow pastor, I want to let you know, he's tearing up the nursery right now. So you just have to bill us. So just we'll, we'll handle that afterwards. So speaking of my family, 10 years of being married, and my wife, right, she's doing it right, healthy. We get a little one, Arrow, and I'm missing the Twinkies, right? I'm missing the, I'm missing. So one day, I see Arrow sitting in there eating that kale, and he's in the kitchen, and I, and I, and I decide, you know, I'm the man of the house. I should be able to speak into this food plan, right? Not wrong. But at that time, for whatever reason, something came over me, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in here and speak to this plan. And so I could see Arrow in there, and I had confidence just kind of fill me up. And, and I'm walking that way. I'm walking into the, living, I'm walking into the kitchen, and I see him there. And, and you know, I was confident. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't worried about anything. And so with command in my voice as I got a little closer after uh, just checking to make sure that there was nothing that shouldn't be around, right, like my wife, right? And, but with command and confidence, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared at all. And with command in my voice, I looked at Arrow and I said, I said, shh, Arrow, daddy's got something for you. It's called a Twinkie. <laughs> and he said, no. Stuck on his plan, he missed Daddy's good purpose. (laughs) It reminds us, doesn't it? How often do we settle for familiar and miss God's best? You see, exchanging your dream for his purpose isn't sacrifice. It's smart. Because purpose, purpose produces life. And we think about God's word, we think about the testimonies of faith, we see a list of of imperfect people, but the heroes, they made the connection. They understood that their Monday was to connect to their Sunday. We see Noah, construction for Jesus, saving humanity. 
We see David leveraging his leadership, a man after God's own heart, to bring unity in the kingdom and advance the prerogative of God. And we see this principle carrying into the New Testament. You look at the life of Paul. He was a man who connected breath in his lungs with the reason he was here, right? Purpose connected to life. And and you have him say things like what you see on the screen in Acts when he says very clearly, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for purpose. Finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, life, purpose, connected. You see him saying things like he says in Romans when he says, give yourselves completely to God, right? All in on God's purpose. Why? For you were dead going your own way, your own plan, your own life. There is a path, right? He says, all in, all in on God's purpose for you were dead, but now you have what? New life. Purpose, life, life, purpose. We were not designed to check in and check out, to waste our days on things that will not matter when they're done. God infused us. God designed us. God wired us with heaven's intent to be lived out on earth. And it it gets us up in the morning. It drives us. The reality is, is, Yes, it's Christ's death that saves our soul, but it's God's purpose that fuels our lives. And for me, I had to die to come alive to God's purpose for me. But one of the things I've learned is is if you survive dying, it changes how you live. And God used that to wake me up. He he began to open my eyes to his his heart. He began to help me see things that were always before me, but I was blind to. I began to see his heart for the lost. I mean, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and he calls the found to join him on mission. But I also began to see God's heart for the poor. Did you know that in God's word, over 2,000 times, there are calls from him to his people to care for the poor? My heart began to connect with things that God said matter here and will show up there, and it began to transform perspective. And all that took on a whole new form when I encountered what is called extreme poverty. Roughly 25 years of age, 24, 25 years of age. And I made my first trip to East Africa. And I entered a community where 300,000 people were trying to survive on less than $1.25 a day. Now, I've got a jumbo jet outside. And so I want us to all get up and we're going to head out. We're going to hop on it. I want to take you there. Y'all ready? Okay, that's not, that, that's not feasible. I get that. But let me try for a moment. Will you, will you bow your head? Will you just kind of lower your head for a moment? Imagine with me, what would your life look like if you were surviving on $1.25 a day? What would make the fridge? What would be in the cupboard? What would your street look like? Open your eyes. Welcome to the slums. I walked into this community, 300,000 moms, dads, brothers, sisters, boys, girls, people created in God's image trapped in a form of poverty that is hard to understand. For a month, I stayed with people, slept in their homes. 
I remember going to Velma's house, her entire home, maybe 12 by 14, dirt floor, all their earthly belongings in this one room. I'm standing in there and Velma tells me that 12 people are sleeping there each night. I look at her and I say, how is that possible? She says, my sister died of AIDS, my brother died of AIDS, we inherited their kids, we're doing the best we can. And I'll never forget, she points to this little bed, this soiled bed in the corner of the room and she says, my husband and I, we sleep here and one child lays to our right, one child to our left, and one across our feet. She points to this rickety table across the floor and she says, we lay three kids across this table each night. She points to this makeshift bench along the tin siding underneath the porous roof and she says, the rest of the kids sleep arms crossed. And she said, we rotate because the bed is the best night's sleep. And I walked out of Velma's home into this broader community, the heart of God beating in my ears. My eyes overwhelmed with what I now knew was real in our world on our watch. And I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life trying to forget what I saw or spend the rest of my life trying to do something about it. And wrestling in that tension, God began to birth vision. You can actually see the vision playing out on the screen. And I did what many of you would have done. I came back, I dropped out of school, moved into my car. I lived in my car for ultimately a year and eight months But this vision he gave was to go into these communities and establish a center, a place where development could happen, where disciple-making inside the context of a relevant tool, a place where we could provide social impact and economic impact, a place where we could take care of both the physical needs and the spiritual needs, a place where God would be glorified as lives are altered. And because of missional churches like yours joining us in partnership, this is exactly what exists today. And as I stand here, hundreds of thousands of the poorest on planet earth are being served. Children are coming by the thousands to do what they love. And while they're there, they're hearing about the one that loves them. It's people that speak the language, drink the water, understand the culture, make disciples. But we're making sure food and water and education, and health services are impacting lives today, and small businesses are creating economic impact. And this is all happening as missional churches, as folks like you together come connected inside the context of the church and say, why not? Why not allow our giving to make a difference here, but our giving to reach its arms across the world and make a difference there? And I want you to know, led by pastors that love your community, but also love Jesus' call into the nations, you are making a difference that is bigger than you understand. You are staying on purpose. You are choosing to engage. You are choosing to bring life to places that have often seen little but death. The impact you have joined is shown on the screen The stories that could be told, I wish I could tell you, but I want to tell you simply this, purpose produces life. God has given you life. God has given this faith family a life as a church to impact lives here, there, and everywhere. And so this simple takeaway, this simple reminder I leave with you this morning, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life on things that will die with it. It's a vapor. It's gone 
almost as, seen, almost as soon as it's seen. I encourage you to live a life that outlives this life. You see, at the end of the day, God invites us to come alive to the very thing we're all dying for, purpose. And I know in a, in a room this size, we're all coming from different places. Our experiences, just this morning alone, are radically different. And I imagine that, that some are here today, most are likely here today, and you are followers of Jesus Christ. And for you this morning, uh, maybe this is a shot in the arm. Maybe this is a, a, just a little bit of a jolt. You're a believer, and you're one who wants to live for Jesus. And so I simply encourage you, I simply leave you with the reality, the truth, that you have one life. It's a vapor. So run hard and stay the course. Well done rests on the backside of the purpose-filled path. But maybe you're here this morning and you're exploring this Jesus thing. Maybe you're coming back to a house. Maybe church is, is new to you. And I've got a message, I've got a word of encouragement for you. First, I just want you to know on behalf of pastor and the team here, you're welcome here. This place was designed in part for you. Thank you for coming to church this morning. Welcome to the journey. But I also would submit to you this morning, here in this room and online, that today you're at a crossroads. A path sits before you. And at the trailhead of that path stands a cross. And the one who hung died, bled. He did so on purpose. He did so for a purpose. He did so for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he says, that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so this morning, I give you Jesus. I invite you to follow him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. I want to give you a moment to reflect and respond. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Micah, I'm ready. Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I am so excited. And I want to pray with you. But I'd love to know who I'm praying with. And so would you be so bold as just to slip your hand up and say, pray with me, pastor. I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand up? Just hold it up so I can see you. Hold it up nice and tall whether online, in the room, let me offer some words. Father, I need you. Jesus, I declare you are the Christ. I confess my sin before you, but I turn to you. I trust 
and your work on my behalf. And today, I give my life to you. Today, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to let you know the journey has just begun. And there's a community of faith here, this faith family, that would love to walk with you. Everyone else, thank you so much for your pursuit of Jesus. And thank you so much for the partnership we've stepped into. We're so grateful. We did have a book come out recently called Dying for Purpose. You can see it up on the screen. And I'd like to make that available to you. I don't get anything out of it. You can get it on Amazon. All the proceeds go to the ministry. But there's crazy God stories uh, embedded and packed in it. And I believe it'll be an encouragement for you. And also, if you'd love to stay, if we'd love to stay connected with you, encourage you. And so you can follow us on all the social channels. Hey, thank you so much, Journey Church. Let me pray us out. God, we honor you. We praise you. You are great and you are greatly to be praised. Thank you for wiring us for purpose. Thank you for sending your son and giving your life and inviting us to pursue work that will matter forever. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for inviting us to walk with you. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you all so much. God bless you all. told you guys you wouldn't want to miss today and uh what a powerful message and a powerful challenge and uh, i want to give us uh i want to give everyone an opportunity to respond you never know what god's doing you know what i'm saying i mean just never know how god's gonna stir in someone's heart there may be something that god has spoke to you today maybe it's a passion maybe it's a purpose that he has brought to the forefront of your mind and he's calling you to take that step to do something so i want to ask you if you would everybody across the room just to stand the worship team is going to come. They're going to come. And they're going to lead us in a song response. And, and sometimes I'm just telling you, there's, there's something about marking a moment, taking a step of faith that begins a journey. And, and sometimes whenever we walk down and we get on our knees at an altar, we have marked that moment. We begin that journey. And so I don't know what God may be calling some of you to do this morning. Or if you're watching online, you can get down beside your couch or your coffee table. But if God is calling you to lay something down, and to maybe even take something up, then it's an opportunity to respond. Father, I pray that you would just move in our hearts. We trust you, Holy Spirit, to work in us. Father, just show us what step to take. In Jesus' name, amen. The prayer team will be here at the front to pray with you if need be. You just respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. Worship team, lead us.